Hi guys, welcome. And in this video, you'll be hearing a conversation between myself and a really good friend of mine called Stephen. And I've squeezed out about 13 or 14 amazing tips to increase our well-being and our sense of self-awareness. Uh, my favorite one is when he talks about, he gives an analogy of um, of the negative and positive stuff being like riding a bicycle. So if you want to go in the right straight direction towards your goals then you need to use the left pedal and the right pedal so you need to to use your negative emotions to learn and grow and develop as well as using the positive emotions to push you forward to encourage you so please enjoy listening and don't forget to like subscribe share and also follow me on instagram it's young limpless podcast all one word Okay, so hi guys, welcome to Young at Limitless. And today, my amazing, lovely friend is my guest. His name is Stephen Liu, and he is, I'm going to read it out so I don't get it wrong, the founder of the School of Positive Psychology, which is studying what is right with people. And so he believes we all have a light and that we, you know, looking at, he's looking at ways we can encourage or bring out the light more, which will help us be the best of who we can be and he's going to tell us a little bit more about that now thank you Stephen and welcome hi Esther yeah thanks for having me here in your, in, your, in your show happy to be here can you explain a little bit more about this light you know because you said that everyone has a light in themselves and that positive psychology wants to help bring that out well first and foremost that um, positive psychology focus on the study of human mindsets and behavior and in we always and as a human being we have two sides of us the light and the darkness and of course the light will represent hope optimism inspiration and strength resilience and courage and many more and our darkness will represent probably uh, sadness anxiety fear um, and and things that we are afraid of or things that we do not like about ourselves so positive psychology focus a lot on the light the side of things so that how could we tap on these inner resources these strengths that we have so that we can shine even brighter yeah and of course not but i'm not suggesting that positive psychology is dismissing that the darkness is not important they are also as important so we need to study both areas but i just want to emphasize that without darkness the light cannot shine so if you look out into the sky when it's dark at night, we need the darkness for the stars to shine, to illuminate. So as a person, every one of us is like a star. We get to shine because we have this darkness. So then this is a question I know young people would want to know. So when they have so much darkness in them, when they have suffered so much, and it almost a lot of them use the word overwhelm, they're just overwhelmed with it. And they want to believe in the light, and they do believe there's a light in them. How can they, because uh, they want to, to, to believe, yeah, how can they believe in it more? Mm. Well, I'll break it down to two, two parts of my answer. Um, the first part is when we look at positive and negative, people seem to think that negative is bad. So if we look at negative emotions such as anxiety, stress, fear, anger, jealousy, and so forth, we would like to think that these are all bad emotions, but it's not the case because they may be negative emotions, but they do serve very important roles in our lives. For example, that when we feel anger, 
mm-hmm. we may feel anger is because that something wasn't right. Maybe there's a sense of injustice. We need to stand up to for it and make it right. And if sometimes we maybe we experience sadness, it may be because that our moral code has been uh, compromised. Uh, maybe we have invested wrongly in a bad relationship or a bad event. So by upon feeling these feelings, you will, we will do a self-awareness check that have I, should I continue to do the thing that I, I've done or should I move off to another direction? So that is the uh, full the purpose of having negative emotions. Where we focus on positive emotions, they are also within us and we can build on these emotions such as maybe our courage, and when we are much more courageous, we are still able to go, we will still feel fearful, but we choose to respond not with bad actions, but we choose to respond with positive actions. So back to your question, I'll just give you a long form answer that we can always choose what we want to focus on and that will be healthy to, healthier to do so. Cool. So it's almost like the, the negative emotions, the anger, the, the pent-up frustration, is, it sounds like it's there for us to learn from because it could be like righteous anger or it could be that we've made a mistake and we need to learn from it. Um, and so the positive psychology is saying, okay, be more courageous because then that will help you deal with the, uh, the fear, the anxiety, the anger and everything, which will help you to grow. And that's how, you, how it helps you to become the best version of ourselves. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's looking at the, the, using the strength to help manage the, the um, negative emotions so that we can... We, we can live with it. We can deal with it. We can process it. Yeah. It doesn't One have good... to be like an ugly ogre in the back of our mind kind of going, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> well, many of the times we, we do have that inner voice telling us that we're not good enough, telling us that maybe we could do better. And these voices in our heads, or these narratives will bring us a lot of anxiety and negative emotions. But what I'm trying to say here is that it's okay to have them and because these emotions are real, but they are not you. They are not us. They are just a part of us. Okay. And they, are, they, are like, they operate like a compass in, in a map, giving us a direction where we should pay attention to in our lives so mm-hmm. that we can use it as a bearing of a direction to decide the next part of our life. And one good way to process the negative emotions, I know that, uh, Esther, you said about should we use our positive strengths or emotions to manage the negative ones? There's one way of doing so. And the other good way of doing so is by writing down the names of our emotions will also help us in neutralizing the negative ones. Okay. Just to get it out any which way we can. So, yeah, I mean, I will highly recommend if let's take a piece of paper and sit down and write down your thoughts, write down your emotions and write down all the emotions that you are feeling. And that will help a lot in, in the process of easing any sort of negative emotions or suffering. So what if they don't know where to start with their emotions? It's just like a mass of jumble in their head. How can they start to unpick it and write it down? Okay, well, I will first... And foremost, I will recommend just take a piece of paper and write down all the emotions that they're aware of, mm-hmm. right? So it could be negative emotions or positive emotions regardless. And after looking at that, just do a, do a small little calculation of how many emotions they 
have written down. And the next step would, would be identify which emotions are dominant emotions for them. Okay. So what type of emotions do they experience regularly? Mm-hmm. Right? So this is the first step of having building emotional awareness, which is very important. Mm-hmm. And then the second step is when they find themselves in a difficult state of mind, okay, they can go back to the piece of paper and indicate the emotions that they are feeling. Okay. Right? So they have built that awareness prior and now they go back to the second time. And then what they, need, uh, what they can do next is to take a deep breath and do a body scan, scanning their body and, feel, and locate where is the tension or the discomfort in the body. Where is it located in the body? Yeah, and to know that this emotion, for example, if I feel a little bit angry and then I go back to the piece of paper, I say, okay, I feel frustration and anger, right? And then the second thing I will do is that after I have identified the emotion, I'll just sit down quietly and take a deep breath to relax myself and try to locate where this, what anger brings to me in my body. How does anger, how does anger and frustration feels like in my body? Where is it located at? Is it in my stomach area? Is it my chest area? And the next thing would be, can I describe the feelings that I have in this body? Is it tight? Is it hot? Is it light? And if I am going to give it a color, what color would it be? Does it have a shape? So by doing so, I, we are describing the qualities of the emotion in our mind. Mm-hmm. And, and by doing that, we have successfully created a space between us and the emotions. Brilliant. I love that. So that takes, for me, that, t- that takes practice, doesn't it? And uh, ongoing practice. So I know um, for certain people, they might try it and they might rumple up their paper, scribble it up or um, ball it up and then they might have to try again and again. But it's never giving up, isn't it? Just never give up. Just keep going. Because every time you do it, it just it gets a little bit easier, doesn't it? Yeah. I second what you said, um, Esther, we have, we have, these emotions will come back to us again and again and again and again until we learn how to move with it. It's just like riding a bicycle. On a bicycle, there are two pedals, right? And in order to move forward, we need to pedal left and the right pedal. And the left pedal will be the negative emotions. The right pedal will be the positive emotions. Wow. So if we stick too long to one pedal, we will fall over. So we okay. need to keep on going. Yeah. I love that. I love that analogy. I really get, I can see that in my mind. Oh, yeah. lovely. Thank you. So one of the things you've talked about was, um, was anxiety and that kind of stuff. And I know one of the questions that the kids, have, the teenagers have given me is what, what is anxiety? Because I hear lots of people talking about it and lots of people use multiple descriptive words. And so they don't know when they do feel it, if they have felt it, I know that's a, like a whole topic. Yeah. What, how can they easily understand what anxiety is and if they felt it? Well, there are many different ways to experience anxiety. Uh, one of the um, common indicators or the common signs would be if they find themselves thinking a lot and having, having excessive worrying, they keep thinking about what's going to happen. Um, is there something wrong that's going to happen? You know, they start to catastrophize or magnify negative um, outcomes in their lives. And that is a killer sign of anxiety. Um, There are many different types of anxiety. 
Um, but anxiety is usually triggered because they, they have expectations of the future, yeah, without them knowing. Uh, so it could be they are worried of their examinations. They could be worried about whether they will do well in their performance or whether will they be accepted in the social groups or maybe will they be loved or liked by another person. So these are all thought related to anxieties, anxiety. Yeah. And if you were to ask me further, what types of anxieties are there? There are many different types, you know. Um, for example, if a person is worried about his health, his or her health, and they're worried about getting sick. And that is also a form of normal healthy anxiety. But if the person keeps worrying about getting sick and visiting the first doctor and the second doctor, and they still have that fear or anxiety or worry, and that is definitely a form of anxiety. Yeah. And um, sorry, well, so you, like, sorry to interrupt you. Sorry, Stephen. No problem. Um, so you said um, anxiety. There is normal anxiety, and then not so normal anxiety. So yes. for is so is anxiety part of everyday life? Well, I would say that it depends on the the dosage of anxiety okay. that is important. If let's say you feel anxiety. Um, Every day, do you feel a shortness? Uh, because when we feel anxious, there's a shortness of breath, breath, and then at the same time that we feel that we have more, we start to sweat more, perspire more. It may affect our appetite, and our sleep, and our concentration. And if this sort of anxiety keeps on happening every single day, then that's not very healthy. Yeah, but if you feel anxious before a performance or examination or going on stage, that's perfectly fine. Because that's like maybe performance anxiety. Yeah. But I'm not suggesting that that is healthy also because there are people um, who have excessive, excessive anxiety in one particular event. Yeah. It could be taking the plane, you know, or going on stage, giving a speech or which, uh, whichever. Ah, so then this is, this is the other question then. The, the difference between anxiety and fear, and then they also said depression. So, I mean, is it like a sliding scale or, or how do they all snowball? Okay. Um, there is, they are all interconnected. So um, we talk about anxiety, fear, and depression. And they belong to the uh, negative emotions, right? The spectrum, right? And there is a sliding scale, but they may be in a common band. Um, some of the signs may be quite relevant, but they might be a little bit different or so. So for fear, the greatest difference about fear is that fear is triggered during an event when a person needs to survive. So it's like a fear response. So if somebody jump out at you in, at a corner, you'll be frightened. That's fear, right? And if you receive a um, message that I'm spying on you, you know, <laughs> I'm stalking you, it may be also fear. Uh -huh. Who's this person, right? Who's this loony? And... So fear comes from the from any from the emotion that I need to survive this. I need to run away, or I need to fight to um, to preserve my survival abilities. Yeah, and for depression, of course, we talk a lot about is related to a lot of sadness and rumination, and they there'll be a tendency of maybe they may want to sleep more in bed. They feel a bit more broody. Does it okay. make sense? Yes. Yeah. 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 And they feel heavy in their, in, in, inside them that they are always burdened by a sense of a dark clouds over their head and everything's feel heavier and slower 
And that's, a, that's also a sign of um, sadness and depression. For anxiety, it's more constant because the person will be on the lookout of, okay, what am I going to do next? There's a lot of thoughts jumping in a faster speed in their head. Okay, and brilliant. Yeah. I like, yeah, I get that. I get that. So there's, there's, there's three very clear definitions. Um, thank you. So, so the reason I asked it, because that was one of the questions, if it was part of everyday life. But then you said it about it being a compass. So the, the young people wanted to know, I'll just ask it straight. Yeah. Uh, so, so basically, so why don't more people have a better reading of their compass? Why can't more adults um, give them a good example of how to navigate their emotions? So, they're, they're, so the young people are desperate. They want help, but when they look around at society, they don't see much, much help. I mean, they mm. don't see many other people managing their own compass and their own emotions. Well, that's a big question. There are many people who are, um, even the adults, especially the adults, I would say, or parents, because due to different generation gap and the timeline that you were in, they are exposed to different way of living. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that our the older generation or they are not really exposed to the expressions of emotions and let alone writing down or labeling their emotions. No, they're not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I could give an example, uh, being a man, uh, when I was growing up as a boy, um, I think it's still quite prevalent today that many boys have been denied their emotions when they, they are sad. Or, you know, if they cry, the parents, um, I mean, given my contacts, that my parents asked me not to cry and don't, because oh. they say it's not good to cry because you're like a, a, being a girl. Oh. You know? Yeah. But it's so prevalent back then, right? But mm -hmm. comparing nowadays that we can be more in touch with emotions. So it's clearly, it's a clear indication that uh, we have came a long way in terms of expressing our emotions. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Yeah. And if I can put a word out there, for those who are listening in, who are young and in your years, I think you have to, now you have the responsibility to learn to own your emotions and to teach the adults how to own their emotions. <laughs> that's great. Because that's exactly what they say that they're having to do. They're having to manage their parents' expectations and their anxieties and emotions. Because one of the other questions is, so living right now in lockdown, how can they manage their own particularly their mother's stress and the mother's anxiety levels because the kids don't really feel it the young people but the parents do so how can they manage their parents emotions so to speak you know what can they do for themselves to look after themselves well the first suggestion would be take care of themselves first mm -hmm. you know and draw boundaries very important and very uh, so, hard <laughs> when you yeah. live with your parents it's very hard isn't it uh, yes it is um but i'd like to emphasize that it is possible even though it's very hard yeah mm -hmm. of course um you may be walking in a landmine you know yeah but at the same time that there are ways to structure or the ways to build um, a boundary around you and i call it a safe zone yeah and it takes time to build that Mm -hmm. Yeah, so self-care is very important. You cannot um, offer 
you cannot drink for an empty cup, right? So there's a lot of activities out there you can do, like meditation, mindfulness meditation. Uh, mm-hmm. Number one, um, it could be a five minutes exercise one day of paying attention to your breath. And mindfulness doesn't mean that you need to do meditation every day. It could be being mindful of what you are doing. Yes, like being- and also, sorry, I'm just going to interrupt. And also, it doesn't mean having an empty mind. It doesn't mean that you don't have anything. You just think of nothing. Because I know that they they've said that before. And it's but Esther, we're always thinking something, and I'm going. It's okay. That's what your, your mind is there to think. It's not about not thinking anything because then it's more pressure. So f- give us a quick one line of what mindfulness is then. Mindfulness is just paying attention to your thoughts and yes. your breath. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's, it is exactly like you say it, but sometimes some people make it sound really complicated and there's all these elaborate practices, but it is doable, isn't it? So do you practice mindfulness? Yeah, I try to, <laughs> not yeah, every day. Yeah, try to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's many programs out there or many apps that you can download for these practices. Do check them out. They're quite really right. interesting. Yeah. yeah. I might have to check some out and just put some links in or something, yeah, to make it easier for them. Thank you, yeah. Well, there's a first suggestion. The second suggestion is maybe how about keeping a uh, gratitude journal? Uh, I, I love this exercise. It's easy, easy to use. Or say something that I'm grateful of, count your blessings. Uh, one good blessing that I just counted today is thank God, thank God it's COVID 19. It is not Ebola. Yes. Yeah. So thank God I'm still alive and um, thank goodness for uh, the things that I have in my life. Yeah. So we count your blessings because when you count blessings, we automatically know that we are in a better place. Absolutely. So that's, yes, brilliant. Any more? Any well, more suggestions? If a fast one would be, you know, listening to music is really important because I love music, right? I believe many people do, but the choice of music um, will impact our emotions. And I know that sad music, music pieces could be very alluring sometimes, you know, very uh, melancholic music, but at the same time, they don't do, they don't give a good impact to our emotions or well-being. So mm-hmm. create a list of positive music, at least like maybe 30 tracks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Feel good music. I love that. Yeah. Feel good yeah. music. Yes. Yeah. And they might even do some movement to it. They can do a bit of dancing that when nobody's looking. Yes. <laughs> Get the blood pumping. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, and eat well, be well. You yes. know, and of course, um, yeah. There's so many things you can do. Look at your friends, what they're doing, and also look out for content that will bring you well-being and happiness. Yeah. Yes, I love that. Thank you. This is my penultimate question. Um, as we are talking about the young people and then their parents, how can a young person separate what they're... So if they've got a parent saying to them, oh, it's your fault, you're doing this, and the young person's being blamed for things that's nothing nothing about them. It's their own parents' own thing, but that's what they're hearing constantly. You, It's your fault, I'm like this, or it's your fault, that happened. How can they put a you said about boundary, but how can they reinforce that so they understand that's their parents' issue, that's not their issue, when they just constantly hear it? Well, I think it takes a lot of uh, emotional awareness in the individual to create that barrier, right? And if, let's say, given this situation, the parent is blaming the child, if the child has the emotional awareness, then he or she can decide how he or she responds, uh, responds to the situation. And it's clearly that 
the parent is looking for a reaction. Yes. Yes. Right. And if we, if let's say that the child re- reacts to the parent, mm-hmm. and then this cycle will keep on, you will repeat on its own. It's a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But if the child responds by saying that this is not me, um, I don't need to react angrily or being sad or being hurt. This, uh, this is purely my parents' emotions and not mine. And this is not my ownership to take it. They have created a distance psychologically. Yeah. It's almost like they need to write it down on a piece of paper, keep it in their pocket. And it, when they can remember, can they hit the moment, they probably won't remember, but they bring it out and say, oh yeah, that's what it is. And it's like, keep reminding themselves that it's not me, it's not me, it's them. Because sometimes it's, yeah, it's, uh, in the heat of the moment, it can be very tricky, can't it? But if, let's say, you want to, uh, um, in the heat of the moment, it's very tricky, right? So you still get triggered, you still get angry, you still get upset. I'll try another two more techniques would be, um, three techniques would be, number one, avoid. If you cannot avoid, (laughs) distract, Mm -hmm. distract, change change the topic, all right? Or third, confuse. How would they confuse? Confuse the person who is upset or angry. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's up to your imagination how you confuse the person. You can say, talk about something else which is totally not related. Uh-huh. And yeah, it could be, yeah, it could be many ways. So talk about anything else. Just get them off yes. that topic. But yeah, but I think it, it is, I am really hopeful that this generation will have so much um, of a healthier emotional well-being, emotional uh, able to manage emotions that you know that it will slow down this whole cascading of passing on bad ways of coping to the next generation and on again yeah um, okay my final question are you ready for it come on <laughs> let's if you go, could for go it. back and tell your younger self so when you were 16 or 17 mm-hmm. one piece of advice about you know maintaining your own emotional well-being what piece of advice would you give that younger you? I would say to myself that you are an awesome person mm-hmm. and you do not need everyone else to like you because you are good enough. Brilliant. Yay. Oh, next question. Sorry. So okay. what do you I thought that's a final question. But good enough. What does good enough mean to you? It's something that you can sit with, that you're comfortable with. And um, good enough in terms of counting your own blessings. Yeah. Because um, going back to the mind, if you ask ourselves that what's wrong with me, the mind will answer everything and give you all the answers to what's wrong with you. But if you ask what is good for me and what's right with me, what am I grateful for? Your mind will help you to achieve that too. Ah, so it's asking good questions, asking questions that give you positive feedback. Yes. Ah, brilliant. So we are good enough because we have everything in us already. We just need to keep asking the questions so our mind keeps telling us why we do and that we do. And yeah. Yeah. And that is our light shining, right? So focus on the light. Thank you. I love that. You just made that whole thing come back full circle. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much, Stephen. So we have got it. We have kept it to 25 minutes-ish, which is amazing. So um, thank you for your time. And thank you for sharing the amazing tips and techniques. And I'm going to definitely put some into practice. And I'm going to write down some little um, 
places that people can go and find out different apps and stuff to help them with the mindfulness and other stuff as well. Can I share one more tip? The first yeah, one, really, right. The first thing that you wake up in the morning, make your bed. I think that's very important. I think yes. it really impacts your happiness and well-being. The question to many people is that if you, will you want to go to bed each night with on a messy bed or a nice looking bed? Mm, mm. Yeah. And when you walk into a room, it looks tidy, doesn't it? It looks different from being all like, oh, like you've taken care of something and so you can take care. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thank and you. you're welcome. <laughs> Anything okay. else? Can we go? Uh, no, I think that's all. Yeah, okay, that's good. all for now. Let me know if you have anything. And I'm thankful. Thanks for having me here. Yes. Oh, it's very welcome. Thank you for coming.